0: go to Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 28, I'm going to read nine verses and then unpack uh, this story. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, it says, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, that'd be this, this day, Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, how would you like to be the other Mary? You know, it's like, come on, Dustin and the other Dustin, it's like, come on. Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. I feel like that was like a real boss move. You know, that wasn't like a delicate rolling of the stone and then just like plop down. It was just like he was sitting down with authority, like, I'll take my spot now. Thank you. Rolled down, sat down on it, rolled the stone away, sat down on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. This is like playing possum, soldiers. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said. Which That's interesting. He already told them what was going to happen. Come and see the place where he lay. This account, Matthew's account of the resurrection, we see uh, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And uh, they go, and they're some of the first that find the tomb empty. They're some of the first people that witness that the tomb is empty. The angel's just sitting there on the stone. The tomb is empty. And I love this, is, is that Jesus didn't break out of the tomb. I like to think of it sometimes as like Jesus just like broke out of the rock, you know, he comes, he's like, he's back. He didn't break out of the tomb because to to break out of the tomb would be to overthrow laws, natural laws. The stone was rolled away so that Jesus in his humanity and in his divinity, he walked out of the tomb because there was a legal transaction. The legal transaction was the blood of an innocent lamb for the lives of humanity. So Jesus didn't have to break out. He was let out because he paid the price for each and every person. And so Mary, the Marys are there, and, and they go to the tomb. And it's interesting that Jesus had told them over and over that he was going to die, and he was going to be raised again. So Jesus dies, and it's interesting, Marys, the Marys, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they go to the tomb. They go to the place where he was laid. I don't know about you, but if I was the disciples or even one of the Marys in this instance, it would be difficult to maintain hope. Even though Jesus said, I'm gonna die and I'm gonna raise again, you don't know if it's figurative. You don't know if it's prophetic. You don't know if it's now in the next world. You don't know when it's going to happen. And so now your hope has been in a Savior. Your hope has been in a man. And now, now he's dead. It's the silence of Saturday like we talked about last year. It's it's eerily quiet. It's, It's silent. It's still. The disciples are discouraged. The family is discouraged. The city is quiet. And the Marys are going to the tomb to anoint the body. The, the, the body that wasn't there. I, I want to talk to you about a concept um, for a couple moments about hope is here. But, but, but I, I want to just call it this. I want to call it this. It has to be somewhere. It's, it's, it's got to be somewhere. And the reason I was thinking about this is, is growing up, my mom, she was incredible at finding things. I was notorious for losing things. She was incredible at finding things. And this was her famous phrase, which did not bring any comfort to any of the people that had lost something, is we would say, Mom, I can't find my baseball jersey. And she would say, it has to be somewhere. Well, thank you for that. Where is this somewhere you speak of? I would love to find the somewhere so I could find my baseball jersey. But she would, all, she would be notorious for always saying, it has to be somewhere. My dad would get frustrated. He'd be like, Becca. That's her, mom, that's her name. Becca. Actually, he calls her Beck. Beck. You uh, know, like, where is it? She's like, it's got to be somewhere. We know. It's got to be somewhere. That, that's obvious. But where? And I, I really believe this. I, I believe that my mom's ability to find things was somehow connected to her belief that it could be found. I, I think that her ability to find lost items for me, for my dad, for any of my siblings, I think that it was, it was somehow connected to the inward belief and, can she, and, and, and her being convinced that it could be found. Even in the statement, it has to be somewhere, is a declaration that it's not actually lost. It's just lost to me. And that's really what I want to talk about with hope, because I could declare to you that hope is not lost, but it might feel different to you, because in your life, it might feel like it's hope. If you can't find your baseball jersey, it might feel like it's lost. Did did you know that, that just because you don't know where something is doesn't necessarily mean it's not there? I was thinking about this is, is, is if I told you right now, wherever you're watching this, I told you there's a $1,000 hidden in the room you're watching. There's a $1,000. Some of you are like digging up your cushions right now. It's like, did they plant something in the Lazy Boy? No, that's just your Cheetos from last night. Packing on the quarantine 15, you know, that's all right. But now, people, people would freak out if they knew that it was hidden somewhere in there. But I'm going to tell you something. If you don't know where it is, it's really not yours. And if you've never seen it, if you've never recognized, you might even say that it's lost. But if I know exactly where I put it, it doesn't mean that it's not there, even though you haven't seen it. It doesn't mean that it's not, it doesn't actually exist just because you haven't recognized it. In fact, it's there. I know right where I put it, right between the cushions, third cushion over, right between the crack, right in there with the rich cracker crumbs. It's there. A thousand bucks. It's, it, it, it's there. You know what I feel like for people with hope is that they think if they haven't seen it, if they haven't recognized it, that it must be lost. It's what happened to the Marys. It was, it's what happened to the disciples is when they couldn't find him, when they couldn't see him any longer, they begin to lose hope. And I felt like as I was praying this week and and we were preparing and we were praying for you as you watch this, I felt that some of you, even in your homes or in your life right now, maybe with your jobs, you have been lacking hope. Or for some of you, you've even felt like like there's there's no hope there. Maybe you've even said these words, I think that I've lost hope. I think that I've lost hope. Did you know that even if it's lost to you? It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It has to, can I just say it this way? It has to be somewhere. It, 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 ha, it has to be. So we got to find out where it is. It has, hope isn't gone. Hope isn't dead. It's the reason that we're celebrating today. It's the resurrection of Jesus. Hope is not dead. It, it, it might just be lost. It might just be misplaced. It could just be unrecognized. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's lost. Just because I can't see it, just because it's not actualized right now, it doesn't mean that it's lost. If you know the story of the gospel at all, you know that it was the enemy's, it was Satan's attempt to try to take out the gospel when he took out Jesus. It was his strategy, and I would imagine in in the devil's mind, he thought he was pretty smart. He thought, here is Jesus, the Savior of the world, if I can kill him, then I can ruin him. Then I can absolutely make this gospel, this Savior obsolete, this Messiah that they talk about. If I can get to him and I can kill him, I can end it. It must have been what the enemy was thinking because the enemy did everything to kill him. But it's interesting that's found in the scriptures is a verse, and it's Jesus that says, He says, that I, no one, can take my life from me. On the contrary, I lay it down. Check this out. Check how, check how God works Satan over. He said, I'm going to make you think that you killed him. But you can't kill the Savior of the world. In fact, the Savior of the world laid his own life down. And the enemy thought he had him. Day one, he thought he had him. Day two, he thought he had him. I'm sure all of hell was rejoicing as the disciples scattered, as the Marys grieve. I am sure that all hell was having a party when the ground began to shake and there was an earthquake and the stone. I can't imagine what happened in hell when the party went bad. When the stone began to roll away and the angel went and sat down on that that stone and the king of kings and the Lord of lords walked out. Imagine the divine foreknowledge of God that said, Satan, give it your best shot. He thought he made it. He thought he killed the Savior of the world, and the only thing he did was fulfill God's plan and strategy to make sure that before the foundations of the world the Lamb of God was slain, and the blood, the blood of a precious innocent lamb was spilt for me and for you. That no matter what I've done and no matter what I do, what I do will do in the future, that the blood of Jesus will cover me and forgive me and cleanse me. That is the gospel, friends, is the divine setup of God that will bring the Savior. Back to life. Just when the enemy thought he won. You know what I was thinking about? He says, some of you, I think that God's put you in perfect position to trick and to flip the tables on the enemy. Because he thought he had you when you lost your job. He thought he had you when he cramped your finances. He thought he had you when your marriage went through that turbulent time. He thought he had you. When your son ran away from home. He thought he had. But I'm telling you this. God is a master at flipping the script. In fact, it's written in scripture. What the enemy meant for evil. God will work for good. God will work for good. In fact, even right now in this time of history. In the middle of Corona. Corona. And all of the craze and the panic and the fear and the uncertainty and the economy crashing and people losing their jobs. In the middle of all that, people are rising up and saying, this is God's judgment. And then people are rising up and saying, this is because of this and because of that. And I'm going to say, God didn't cause any of it. But neither is he surprised by it. And don't you dare for one second think that God is going to waste an opportunity to advance his kingdom and get glory for his name. I know it's uncomfortable right now. I know it doesn't feel good right now. I know people are suffering. I know people have died. I know families are grieving. But I'll tell you this, God never wastes a wilderness. God never wastes pain. God never wastes a grave. God will never waste a virus. God will never waste a tactic of the enemy. He will never waste the opportunity to flip the script. And every setback being an opportunity for a comeback. Hope is here. At least it's gotta be somewhere. It's it's gotta be somewhere. Every time I lose my keys, I think about my mom's words. It's gotta be somewhere. I'm like, sure, where is the somewhere? I just wanna know where the somewhere is. But it's true, right? It has to be. When you think something's lost, you think it's gone forever. I lost my wallet. A couple years ago, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's gone. It's over. You know, cancel the credit cards, get a new license, all that. A couple of days later, I found it. It's the worst. So now, you know, you got, you got, which one do I use? And i got two wallets now, and uh, two debit cards, and two licenses. You know, so it's like, that could be convenient. And yeah, I, I, it wasn't lost. It was misplaced. And I think when we look at the world right now, it's not that hope is lost. It's not that these are the darkest days we've ever seen. It's that hope is misplaced. Hope maybe was in something that it should have never been in. Hope was looking to someone maybe it should never have looked to. Hope. When you look at Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, we learn some things from them on their journey to find Jesus. And I really believe it's really the journey on how to find hope. How to find hope. And I think the first thing that you see it, with, with, with the Marys is this. You have to embrace the journey. Because it really is a journey, isn't it? From here to finding hope, it's a, I wish it just showed up. Amazon Prime, right to your door, I now have hope and I'll have it for the rest of my life. It's, it's, it's not like that. It's, it's a journey. In fact, the ver, verse 7 said, then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going on ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see. So not right now there he was so they had a journey now they had to believe the word that was given to them and they said i got to go i got to go to where he's going i got i got to i got to go to where he's heading i got to see up ahead and i said god i'm going to get to where you are there is a journey from here to there there is a journey of belief it wasn't that hope was lost but there is a journey from them getting to hope they weren't there you know why they weren't there is they went to the place That he died. He told them that he was gonna be raised from the dead. But when they went to look for him, they looked at the place that he was buried. And I think this is the mistake for many of us is that instead of looking to the word, instead of looking to what God said, instead of looking to what God has declared, we we go to the place that that thing died. And we grieve and we mourn about why it's not there. And with every passing minute, it's more cemented in our minds that hope is not here. Hope isn't here. Maybe it's not somewhere. Maybe it's not going to show up in my life. I heard a preacher say this one time. He said, the teacher is always silent during a test. Have you ever found that some of the most testing times of your life are in the silence the testing times of your life are found when God appears or seems to be silent. A teacher is always silent during a test. Yesterday, we had a massive Easter egg drive through, and, and we were preparing and planning. If you're in the area, a lot of you came through, and man, we're putting it all together, and we're excited. I got up that morning, I got up early, I was praying, praying for you, and praying for the message, and I look at the weather. And the weather is thunderstorms. I get to start getting alerts about possible tornadoes and all these thunderstorms. rain all day. And I'm thinking, okay, th- this, this doesn't seem right. Hope doesn't feel like it's here right now. In fact, we already had to cancel meeting together. Now we plan an Easter egg drive through and we're going to have thunderstorms the whole time. And I'm thinking, man, it doesn't feel like hope is here. But there is a journey from looking at the weather until we got to the drive-thru. And, and, and wouldn't, wouldn't you believe this, that it, it didn't rain the whole time? It's supposed to rain all day. We pray, believe God. It didn't rain all day long. It, ran, it rained before and it rained after, but during, it didn't rain. Can I tell you this? There is a journey that you have to embrace To identify and to find hope. I know you may not see it right now. I know you may not feel it right now. But there's a journey that you have to embrace. And it's a belief in the word of God. That God, what you said, will come to pass. That you will not let your word fall to the ground. You will not let your word be spoken in vain. So i got to embrace the journey. i got to embrace the journey until I get to where I can identify that hope is there. Because it has to be... It's got to be somewhere, right? It's, it's, it's got to be somewhere. For me, when I am in, in the middle of the journey, I do what I know to do. You know, I find a lot of people, if hope isn't here, if it isn't here right now, they, they, don't, they don't know what to do. And they start to panic. And we've talked about fear. Fear accelerates a destination. So now I'm afraid of the virus, I'm afraid, I'm uncertain, and now I'm accelerating in my mind all of the options, all of the bad things that could, or maybe, possibly, there's a chance that this could happen. Fear accelerates a destination. But when I embrace the process, I do what I know to do. So I only focus on what I know. So I focused on what I knew right then. God told us to do it, we're going to do it. The weather says it's raining. It is raining right now. So this is what we did. We prepared for the rain that was there because that's what we knew. But we didn't cancel the event because we accelerated our fear. There's a lesson in this, and I want you to hear it. We prepared for what was there naturally because we could see it. It was there. But we did not cancel our entire lives because of what could happen. And some of you are crippled by fear because you accelerate your destination. And what I would encourage you to do is just work with what you know and embrace the journey. You have no idea when God is going to do a miracle. You have no idea when God is going to split the sky. You have no idea when God is going to roll away a stone. You have no idea when God is going to break out of the tomb. You have no idea when your breakthrough is coming. But if you accelerate your destination, you will abort your miracle. Fear accelerates your, dest- your, your, your destination so that you give up on your destiny. They, they, they embrace the process. And the second thing you see them do is, is they left the tomb. Verse 8 says this, so the women hurried away from the tomb because they found out Jesus wasn't there anymore. They went to find hope. He wasn't there. The angel shows up, tells them, no, he's not here. Another scripture says, why do you look for the living among the dead? It says afraid yet filled with joy, they ran to tell the disciples. You know what I found for a lot of people is they never move past the place of their last disappointment. They never move past the place of the of the of, of the last situation that broke their heart, that made them feel hopeless. When they look and hope wasn't there in the circumstance of their life, they never leave that place. And when they're looking for hope, they only go to the place where they used to be. And this is the women. They're there and they're crying at the tomb. Listen to this. They're crying at the tomb where Jesus wasn't anymore. Because they had accelerated a destination thinking someone stole his body or maybe he wasn't there. But in true actuality, he was risen. He was alive and I find many people that are stuck in past hurts and I know things happen and our hearts get broken and and there's difficult situations that we walk through but I'm going to tell you Jesus isn't where it happened. Jesus is where you're going. And if you keep on going to the tomb of yesterday, you will never find the encounter with God that you're looking for because God's already moving into tomorrow. He's already moving into your future. God has a good plan. God has a good future. God is not intimidated by the mistakes of yesterday. God is not threatened by the heartbreak of last year. God is living in your present and he's prophesying to your future. And if you're not careful, your fear will be your prophecy about where you will be and where you will go and where hope is not. But it has to be somewhere. It's got to be somewhere. So they had to leave the tomb. They had to leave the place where Jesus was buried. They had to leave the place where he died. And I would encourage you, if you want to find hope today, if you want hope to, to, to be resident in your own heart and in your own life, then you have to leave yesterday behind. You've got to leave the offense you got to leave the unforgiveness. you got to leave the situation. I know what happened. I'm not telling you not to feel it. I'm not telling you to stuff it. I'm telling you you can't stay there. It was a season and you got to pass through the season. And I'm not telling you to pass through the season because that didn't hurt or that didn't really affect you. I'm telling you to pass through the season because of the great things God has in store for you. You can cry at the tomb where Jesus is not or you can meet him in the journey that he has for your life. He's out there. He's alive and well. He is not dead he is not contained he's living and he's active and he's looking he's looking to reveal himself this is the wild thing is God wants to that's why Jesus came was to reveal the father to us to show us his love and to show us his grace we see this from the, the women that hope doesn't die just because my method does Right now, in the middle of COVID-19, a lot of methods are dying. And because methods are dying, people think hope's dying. This is the greatest time to innovate. I've been telling our church this over and over. Do not grieve over businesses that have shut down or jobs that you have lost. This is a time to innovate. And I declare over you and your family, I declare over your businesses that God is going to give you creative solutions and creative ideas because that job was never your provider. God is your provider. I declare over you that there's going to be prosperity and blessing because God's going to give Holy Spirit Holy Spirit ideas, creative ideas that will move you forward so that you can... And be a resource to the kingdom of God. They had to leave the tomb. It's time to stop living in yesterday. It's time to stop holding on to past versions of life. When I was younger, when I was with him, when I was with her, those friends, that season, that chapter, it's over. And Jesus isn't there anymore. We see this in church all the time. Well, I remember back in the day, Pastor. We're not there. It's over. You don't wear socks. It's gone. I know you wear the same thing, but it's it's, it's over. Change it. Google it. We've never done church this way. We've never sang those songs. I remember when God really used to move. I remember revivals. Of pa- All of those are great. All of those mean something. History is important, but history is not my future. History is not my legacy. History is not my destination. I honor where I've been, and I honor what God's done, but I'm not stopping there. I will not camp at the tomb of where Jesus used to be. I'm pressing into and onward to the thing that God has for you. It sounds like Paul I'm forgetting what is behind and pressing onward on towards what is ahead. God's got good things on the other side. Why camp at where he used to be when he has an entire future for us that is up ahead? It's got to be somewhere. I mean, it's got to be somewhere. The, the next thing that you see is verse 9 says, suddenly Jesus met them. Been, they left the tomb and Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to his, clasped his feet, and they worshiped him. This is the last key in how to find hope now is they worshiped him. I've got I to embrace the process, the journey. I, 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 have, I have to give myself to, to, to leaving yesterday, leaving the tomb. But then i got to worship him. An encounter with hope will always result in in worship. When you encounter hope, because hope honestly is not found in us or found in the safety of a job or a relationship, hope is found in Him. I was praying this week and the realization hit me that for many of us, even when we're talking about hope right now, we're talking about hope in something that we have an idea about, hope in a big house. Hope in a picture-perfect marriage. Hope in kids that do what I tell them to do and go to school. Hope, that, hope in something that, that is, that is so, so tangible that when it gets taken away, we think that hope is gone. But real hope is not hope in something that is tangible, that is out there somewhere in the future. What we've been declaring is that hope is right here. Hope is right here. And an encounter with hope will always result in worship. Don't be bitter about how long it took to get here. Don't get upset about how long the journey was. Just thank God that the journey is over and he's moving you to new things. Worship looks like surrender. So it's time to let go of your pride. I want you to hear me. It's time to let go of your pride. Many of you have been wrestling with your decision to go all in. For It's time to let go of your pride. I'm telling you, we're in crisis right now. We need a hope that is not in the economy, not in the government, not in health. We need a hope that is anchored in him. See, that hope, that hope is the eager expectation of good. So I'm, I, I am constantly expecting good things to happen. Early Sunday morning, the angels began to move from grave to grave, looking for the Son of God, looking for hope. It had seemed, at least for the night, that all hope was lost. But as the sun began to peek over the horizon, the Spirit of God was screaming, He has to be somewhere. It was at dawn that the rocks begin to cry out, the stone was rolled away, the angels sat down, and the Son of God got up. It seems that hope had been here all along. Although beaten, although dead, although unrecognizable, seemingly lost, it was that beautiful Easter morning that the Savior of the world walked out of the tomb and into anyone's life that would dare to receive. John chapter 1 verse 14 in the message it says the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. I'm going to tell you this hope is not somewhere in the distant future. Hope is in Jesus and hope has moved in to the neighborhood. In fact, he moved in right on time. Right on time. It says in Romans chapter 5 verse 6, you see at just the right Time, While we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. At just the right time, he moved into the neighborhood, whether we recognize him or not whether we see him or not, he's here. He's moving into your life. I know you're not in a church building, but he's moving into your, right into the neighborhood. If I were you somewhere, I would just type, maybe in the comments, just, just the right time, just to tell yourself, just to prophesy over yourself that he's not late, that he hasn't forgotten, but I'm just going to write it out. I'm going to declare at just the right time, Christ died for me, for me. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those who hope in the economy. No. Those who hope in the Lord. The key is not hoping for something out there to try to save me here. The key Is recognizing that something here it's already here because it moved into my neighborhood at just the right time first Peter chapter 1 verse 3 in the message it says what a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him the father of our master Jesus because Jesus was raised from the dead we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. It's gotta be somewhere. It's gotta be somewhere. Why live Why live in the pain of yesterday when it's out there? Why weep at the, to- the, at the tomb of your past life when it's not there? I was praying this week for this message, and sometimes I like to just actually, old school, like write the message out. So I had all these notebooks out. I'm just writing everything, all the thoughts, and everything God's speaking, all the ideas. And I wrote, Hope is here. I looked at it, I thought, Lord, what is the difference between hope that is here and hope that's there? Because for me, it feels like hope's there. I mean, it's there. It's got to be somewhere, right? It's, it's, It's out there. It's in tomorrow. It's when I get this or do this or accomplish that or I am this. I act better. I have better behavior. I'm in church a little more often. I... All of these things out there—it's—it's it's striving to get this, this hope. And something I wrote: Hope is there. Hope is here, and hope is that I feel like hope is there, but I know you say hope is here. And I just started looking at it. And actually, I put it up on the screen because what's the difference? What's what's the difference between here and there? It's just a just a T. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, look again. And I looked at that T, that lowercase t. It's in the shape of a cross. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me that the only difference between hope that is there... And hope that is here is the cross of Jesus Christ. And when he stretched out his arms and he died, all the hope that was out there in religious leaders and religious rules and in good conduct and good behavior, all of that striving, when Jesus gave up his life, no, he wasn't taken from him. When he gave it up on the cross, that hope that was there became here. And for many of us all our life, we've said it's got to be somewhere. And my mission, my assignment is to declare to you that it's here. Hope is here. It's more than a brand. It's more than an idea. It's more than a concept to try to get us through a virus. It is a prophetic declaration of the love of your heavenly Father that says it used to be out there, but now it is here. Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.